Podcasting, The Final Frontier. This is the Hammer Podcast. It's 30-minute mission to rehash geeky topics, to seek out new bastions of nerdiness, to timidly go where the more talented have gone before. Greetings, and welcome to The Hammer Podcast, the official podcast of thehammerstrikes.com. My name is Gene Hendricks, and I would like to talk to you about mythology and my huge interest in it. To start with, I'd like to offer up a definition. When I say mythology, I don't mean a group of stories that isn't true. I mean a religion practiced by an ancient culture and possibly still practiced today. So when I refer to Greek and Roman mythology, or Norse mythology, or American Indian mythology, I could just as easily be saying Christian mythology, Jewish mythology, or Muslim mythology. Now, a little background, so you know where I'm coming from. I first became aware of the various mythologies through comic books, most notably Thor and the Avengers. In Thor, you have an actual god as the star of the book. And this makes sense for Thor, because he is the protector of Midgard. In the Avengers, you have Thor, but you also have Hercules, who is the son of Zeus. These two books had many adventures set either in the mystic realms, or where they were referenced. The next place I found mention of these pantheons was Dungeons & Dragons, specifically the second edition rulebook called Legends & Lore, which I poured over. This book contained rules for introducing the Greek, Norse, American, Indian, and various other gods into your D&D game, along with the rules for their priests. This is where I realized that the comics weren't entirely faithful to the source material, since D&D had a red-haired Thor while he was blonde in the comics. From this start, I began looking up books in the library on these subjects. This is pre-internet, remember, and I found that the stories were fascinating. The majority of the information I found was on the Greek and Roman gods, who, it could be argued, are pretty much the same. I was very interested in reading about these gods and their exploits, but they seemed a bit off to me. With the Greek gods, there really weren't any consequences for them. What happened when Zeus cheated on Hera again to Sire Hercules? She tortured the child, and Zeus was free to do as he pleased again. This is repeated over and over in these myths. None of the gods themselves are ever punished for their behavior, which means that they are setting an example of what not to do more than behaving like mortals should. This perception was reinforced by the various classes I took in mythology, both in high school and college. In fact, the only one of the gods that seemed to have any repercussions from her actions was Persephone, who, after being kidnapped by Hades, eats some food in the underworld, and then has to stay there. Of course, she's able to leave for nine months of the year, so it's not exactly full-on consequences, but at least it's something. What was harder to find, and what I found more interesting, was the Norse mythology. Unlike the Greek stuff, in the Norse, there are consequences. It doesn't mean that these gods don't do anything bad. They do. However... They do so knowing that if they are brought on the carpet for it, there will be repercussions. A perfect example of this is the story of Rindir. 
The short version is that Balder had been slain and vengeance must have been taken. The best way to do this for Balder's father, Odin, is to beget a son with the giantess, Rindir. Odin tries to woo her in many different guises, but she refuses him each time. Finally, Odin casts a spell of insanity on her, and then comes to her father as a healer. In the guise of the healer, he is left alone with Rindir and rapes her. She gets pregnant from this, and later gives birth to Vali, who avenges Baldur's death. When word of the rape got back to Asgard, the gods, led by Frigg and Ullr, threw Odin out. They took the chief of the gods, leader of the Aesir, and kick his butt to the curb. They put Ullr on Odin's throne, and he ruled the gods, but he did a horrible job of it, and Odin deposed him upon returning from the wild. Even though Odin regains his position, he was still punished for his actions because he deserved it. This really spoke to me. The gods were just like mortals, in that they could do the wrong thing and get their comeuppance for it. This happened a few times to Odin, but most of what he did was in order to stave off Ragnarok, and he was willing to do some despicable things for the greater good. It doesn't mean that he was given a pass for it. In fact, in the case of Loki, he pretty much forced the evil god into that position of hating the Aesir, but it just proves that Odin is fallible. Something else I connected with is that these gods are mortal. The only reason that they don't age is magical apples, but without those, they would grow old. They can also be killed in battle, poisoned, etc. In fact, is the death of Baldur that starts them down the road to Ragnarok. Okay, so you know where my interest came from. Now, let's take a break, and we'll come back with another aspect of lore that I am fascinated with. Kalabak, Desaad, it is I, Darkseid. I command you to listen to the Who's Who podcast. Uncover the powers and weaknesses of the Super Friends, so that I may destroy them. Aquaman and Superman, Animal Man and Plastic Man, Firestorm and Nuclear Man, Batman and Hawkman, 2D Man and Hour Man. Who are all these people, man? They're all part of the DC. Who's who? Ultra Boy and Booster Gold, Lightning Lass and Hippolyta, Phantom Stranger, District and Arisia and Woozy Winks. Hey, hey, hey. What? What about that one guy? What guy? Mr. Pretzel, Mr. Lipstick, Mr. Mitzelfuzzle? Mr. Mitzi's Pitlick? Yeah, him. He's also part of the DC. Who's who? Who's Who, the definitive podcast of the DC Universe. Available monthly at Aquaman Shrine, Firestorm Fan, and on iTunes and Stitcher as part of the Fire and Water podcast. Hi, everyone. Gene here. Wanted to let you know about a podcast that I've been listening to that I find very informative. It's called Inside the Magic. Host Ricky Brigani goes through basically everything Disney, uh, the parks, the DVDs, the characters, whatever you can think of. He also covers Universal Studios, as well as Busch Gardens and SeaWorld. As someone who's planning a vacation down in Orlando for the first time in 
I don't remember how long. I find this podcast and his website to be very helpful and informative. I recommend you all check it out. You can find it at InsideTheMagic.net. Coming soon on Two True Freaks. Beware the beast man. A month-long celebration. For he is the devil's pawn. Of one of the greatest science fiction series. Alone among God's primates. Of all time. He kills for sport or lust. Covering all the films. Let him not breed in great numbers, for he will make a desert of his home and yours. All the comic books. Shun him. The toys. Drive him back into his jungle lair. The entire phenomenon that was. For he is the harbinger of death. The Planet of the Apes. Planet of the Apes. A month-long event. Coming soon. Only at Two True Freaks. Com. Welcome back. Now I would like to tell you about the legends of King Arthur and the Round Table. I'm a sucker for these stories in their various forms, but I am also not very forgiving to changes in the source material. Now when I say source material, and here's another definition for you, I mean the original Welsh tales, all the way up to and including Thomas Mallory's Les Mort d'Arthur. Paying homage to that, such as the movie Excalibur did, while making some changes to fit the story into the medium, is perfectly fine. Making major changes, and essentially throwing out the source except for the names, I'm looking at you, First Knight, just frustrates the hell out of me. There's a reason that these stories have been around for so long, and giving me your modern take on it is fine, but trying at least to read the material first. The thing I like about the Arthurian tales, just like the Norse stuff, is fallibility. Arthur does his best to bring about a golden age, but he's completely blind to Guinevere and Lancelot having an affair. Regardless of warnings from Merlin, Arthur has sex with a visiting queen, not realizing that she's his half-sister and begets Mordred who will eventually bring down everything Arthur has worked for. See a pattern here? One of the most complete, and most enjoyable for me, adaptations of these legends is Greg Stafford's role-playing game entitled King Arthur Pendragon. This game, and it's not just one book, it's several, goes through everything related to the Arthurian legends. From well before Arthur is conceived, until after his death. Contradictory items are ironed out, movies are incorporated where appropriate, and the timeline is worked out in an actual year-by-year format. I like this game so much that I actually run it once a month for my wife and a couple of friends. We do get bogged down in the minutiae sometimes, but we do have a great time playing it. Picture D&D and then change everything. The players are knights and 99% of all knights are male. Magic is a part of the game, but it is very much outside the realm of the players. You only go on one adventure a year. Your character's age and damage is really, really bad. It is very Arthurian in its feel. The mechanics are quick and easy, in my opinion, and allow for the highest highs and the lowest lows. I would even go so far as to say this is 
my favorite role-playing game to play and or run. Even if you aren't a huge role-playing person, but like the Arthurian stuff, I would highly recommend looking into at least the book called The Great Pendragon Campaign. In this, you'll get the year-by-year -year stuff I mentioned, as well as plenty of notes on arms, armor, fashion, building styles, just a huge amount of info. There are also notes telling you the source where certain adventure or quest is drawn from, so you can look up more information in the actual source material. It is well worth the money, in my opinion. Alright, I think that's enough for this time. Definitely a short episode this time around. I would like to thank my friend and fraternity brother, Kurt Over, for suggesting this topic. He is actually one of the guys I play Pendragon with. If there's anything that you would like to hear my opinion on, please feel free to email me at gene at thehammerstrikes.com. I would also like to thank the guys over at The Ninjaverse for allowing me to sit in on their most recent podcast. If you like this podcast, head on over to theninjaverse.wordpress.com and check out their stuff. Take care, everyone. The Hammer Podcast is a production of thehammerstrikes.com. Questions and comments can be emailed to gene at thehammerstrikes.com. Look for The Hammer Strikes on Facebook and Google+. Part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network.